Hello, hello, and welcome once again to another edition of the Green Beige Podcast. Um, well, filling in today for the green is Justin, so he's the green today. I'm Ken, I am the beige, and we welcome you to yet another edition of the Green Beige Podcast, which is called this week, You're Fired. Now, no, AJ has not been fired. He has some other responsibilities, which is why he is not here, and Justin has most ably and most willingly agreed to fill in. Justin, how's it going, my brother? I need you to tell the people the truth. AJ has been fired, so I'm here to tell you all that. AJ has <laughs> been fired, right? Don't mind Ken and all the coaching slash owner talk, you know, like, well, you know, we've decided it was best to part with. This is a mutual decision. Nah, AJ get fired long time. Just that Ken and the boss to come on and tell the body on your show. Now you're no, please. AJ is just currently indisposed right now. It's true. AJ is actually at work. He's at the job that pays him because unfortunately, well, you know, this is still a small operation, so we don't get paid for this yet. So, I mean, if you have some ideas or some opportunities for the guys to get some salary, you know, we are very much so open to take that. Now, as I said, this week's episode is called You're Fired. And, I mean, you know, off the rip, I would normally explain what your fight is all about. But we got to go somewhere else because some big news broke just this afternoon, which is that Mark Cuban, he sells most (laughs) of the Mavericks. Mark Cuban is in the process of selling more than a 50% stake in the Dallas Mavericks. At this point in time, the interested party is going is Miriam Adelson, the widow of Las Vegas casino magnate Sheldon Adelson. And this 50% stake that Cuban is in the process of divesting is going to net him 3.5 billion, that is with a B, dollars for a stake that still allows him to maintain control of the basketball operations of the team. Now, the Mavericks, when Cuban bought this team in January 2000, he purchased a majority stake for $285 million. And last month, Forbes valued the Mavericks, released the valuation of the Mavericks to a tune of $4.5 billion. So imagine, Justin, you have an asset that is valued $3.5 billion, and you get to sell most of it, for three and a half, and you still maintain control. Is there probably a better deal out there than this one that we have seen? If so, can please let me know. Like, if <laughs> if you could buy a team for less than a half million dollars, and then turn around and however long that mark is, and I mean, it feels like the other day, but it has been quite a while. But, three years. Yeah, boy, and it just felt like the other day that mark was in. You know, we welcome Mark to NBA tremendous owner but if i could buy something and then turn around and sell most of it not all of it, it almost all of it and be a billionaire out of the sale or my stake is still over a billion my stake is a third of what i got back from the sale and i still have basketball control like <laughs> where is the loss here you go in 3.5 billion you still have your shares are still worth over a billion and I, the thing I love most, which is basketball, I still run and control. I don't know if there's anything we need to discuss. Um, I don't think there's anything we need to discuss, Ken, other than the fact that I want to see over this 23 years, that seems so short, 
Mark Cuban to me has been like a pillar of, of, of success as an NBA owner, not just ownership in the NBA, but I mean across all sports. You saw what he has done in terms of leveraging businesses, um, in terms of leveraging um, ideas and um, I want to say corporate partnerships, but taking the Dallas Mavericks and by and large NBA, you know, into this modern era of making money. And, you know, you see how smart he is. I'm not sure how much you watch um, all the small podcasts, but in the little clippets I've seen this last week and him talking to, to, you know, to Stat and to Matt Barnes, where you see how smart he is and then know he's not even, he's looking, always looking so far ahead because no, he's not talking. He's not concerned about the next TV, TV deal. He's concerned about the one following that because of where streaming and internet TV watching is going. But he is like, not just in the NBA, um, Ken, he is, you know, what all sports owners should strive to be or at least something along those veins. Yeah, I mean, I know I understand that you would have a, a definite soft spot for Mr. Cuba because while you were seeing great ownership happening in Dallas, you didn't have that in Phoenix. You didn't have that at all. So when you see what he has been able to do in terms of building not just the team, but the brand of the Dallas Mavericks, and not just that, but also establishing himself as one of the premier owners within the league, because when we think of the NBA, one of the people's faces that you will see when you think of an ownership is Mark Cuban. He is probably the most visible owner of all of them. Because I'm thinking of him, I'm thinking of Steve Ballmer, but he just come down. So it's not like if he has established himself or developed the cachet like Mark Cuban has over these years. Um, we know of Genie Bus, but we don't really see Genie. We don't really hear about Genie. Um, who else? Well, there's also Jim Dolan, <laughs> but we think of him on the other side of the coin. He is not one that we think of fondly like we do Mark Cuban. And um, also the Miami Heat owner as well, the guy that owns um, all those crew designers as well, like he comes to mind. But I think like the class of them is is Mark Cuban, and especially like it's not a coincidence that Dallas finally broke that curse. I don't want to say curse, but got over the hump with him as an owner. And you see what he does in terms of attracting free agents, um, just being a player friendly owner. Um, you hear him talk about you know feeding opposing teams in their locker rooms. You see state of 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 the Dallas arena. You've seen all the partnerships and all the, the business ideas that he's been able to draw and attract to the NBA. It's not, he, he's such a business savvy mind, but also like, you know, he seems like a down to earth and player friendly owner. And I, I, I can't say nothing about the, but the best for, for his ownership um, tenure so far in the NBA. Oh yes. So congratulations to Mr. Cuban. I mean, you you're making hell of a lot of money. And you're still maintaining control of the team. So, well done to you, sir, for pulling this off. This is probably one of those things that they'll be writing about in business school for years to come. So, I had a comment come in from my buddy, Abdel. He just said, what happened? And I'm good, Abdel. Good to see you. It's been a while. So, now, Justin, as we have gone through Cuban and all of the money that, you know, the rich just keep getting richer... Let's get into this, you're fired. 
because it's been a couple of weeks that you know we haven't been here and i do apologize to all of our viewers and listeners that you know kind of just disappeared on you guys for two weeks um life happened things got really really busy so know that things are in the process of settling down because they haven't quite settled yet um we are back and in the time that we were gone some guys got fired and you know this is taking i guess you could say a statement that was kind of popularized by a, a former president here in the united states when he was just doing his reality tv thing not the in the white house while doing reality tv but just doing reality tv where he would just bring people in on tv and just tell them you're fired um of course i'm making reference to president donald trump but some guys got their walking papers some we agree with others we don't and we're gonna get into it just a little bit so first off we have to talk we have to talk about the most recent one which i guess for me was the biggest surprise of the lot of them and justin you will have to tell me if this was a surprise for you or not but we're going to take it in the way that we've been doing it recently which is the weekend recap which i am going to give you a headline that i've come up with and then you tell me if it's cap or no cap and then we'll get into it so talking about frank reich the now former head coach of the carolina panthers now of course me being a Saints fan, I am not ever going to be sorry that the Carolina Panthers are sorry, but unfortunately they were so sorry that Frank Wright got fired from his job. So, Justin, here's the question for you, or here's the headline on the weekend recap. Frank Wright deserved to be fired for this 1-10 and 10 start. Cap or no cap? Cap. And, I mean, I know you feel the same way, but I'm going to kick this off. Um, first thing first, what did you expect as David Tepper, the owner, with this roster? You have a rookie quarterback. You have arguably the worst skill position group in all of football offense. Like, there is absolutely no pieces of note. To, like, uh, yeah, you drafted number one overall pick in Bryce Young, but other than that, I dare you to name at least three skill position players on that roster, and you probably can't. Like this team is devoid of talent all over the place, and to be quite frank, I'm surprised they're not 0 and 11. I, I don't know how on earth they beat the, the Texans, to be quite frank. So, and I'm not being trying to be smart <laughs> there with that. But that's number one. I don't know what David Tepper expected. Like you're clearly in the rebuilding process. Number two is like, yes, you're not seeing development in Bryce Young. Um, and I guess it kind of hurts or it's alarming when you look across like, number two overall pick and seeing CJ Stroud having arguably an MVP type season. So you're probably asking, like, what the hell is going on here? But it leads me to question, like, you know, is it the coaching or is it the quarterback himself or the situation where your offensive line is atrocious? Because on, uh, it, it, on this piece, Bryce Young is going to smash the all-time sacks taken record by a mile like it's not close if it's continues either he's going to be killed or he is going to be the most sacked quarterback in a single season ever but so you don't have the offensive lane help you don't have the skill position group but then it leads me to question did you take the wrong quarterback because let's look in past just what cj Stroud has done the reality is you've brought frank right arguably one of the best quarterback developers in the entire game i mean it's resume streets for itself when you talk about what he did 
from a young untested um oh what am I channel I can see the player but I can't um looks like lately oh he's a former Philadelphia quarterback now ah, Carson Wentz so his time during Philadelphia you saw what he did with Carson Wentz young untested Carson Wentz you saw what he did Andrew Luck he can go on and on and on on all quarterbacks that Frank Reich has developed and it's not just Frank Reich that is there it is also the former Colts um head coach Jim Caldwell who's also known for not just great offenses because he had Peyton Manning, but also in helping develop Peyton Manning. A lot of that is Jim Caldwell. Jim Caldwell is there. So you have Frank Wake, you have Jim Caldwell, and then you also have a, in a quarterback coach, another former quarterback. So all three of these guys who are known for developing quarterbacks and playing the position are there, and your quarterback is not good, and you're blaming it on the coaching staff. Sorry, Ken, I'm not buying that. But the third and most important um, point about this, right, is David Tepper himself. Like, we can talk about what, this is about his fifth or sixth head coach since he's taken over in 2018, 2019. But uh, beyond that, that press conference is arguably the worst press conference I've ever heard an owner held. And I'm talking to a league that already has Jerry Jones, so you can imagine how bad that press conference had to be. And in that press conference, he said a lot of nothing other than, without saying it in as many words, you are confirming that you are trying to throw the coaches under a bus and the scouts by basically saying all of them wanted Bryce Young, but your plan was to trade for the number two spot to get CJ Stroud, but that didn't happen because you knew Houston would have taken Bryce Young at number one overall, and that's what they want. So essentially, without saying it, you've thrown them on the bus saying that you want CJ Stroud. So you blame Frank Wright and the coaching staff for first picking Bryce Young, for second, not being able to develop him. And third, no, you have a quarterback on the roster who no knows that his owner doesn't want him there. He wanted the other guy. Like, so sorry for all that. And for the viewers who are watching this in real time or afterwards, I'm sorry, Ken, for going on and rambling. But Kat Frederick did not deserve to be fired for this. Like David Tepper has now pushed himself in the upper echelons of the worst owners in all the pro sports and not just the NFL. Yeah, I mean, where you ended is exactly where it was going to begin. Because, of course, this has to be capped. Frank Reich took this job understanding that he was walking into a rebuild. And you know what's the most important thing when you're going into a rebuild? You know that you are going to lose in the short term. But you're expecting to be given time to develop and win in the long term. Or at least in the medium term. Because this was not, he, he didn't get the kind of um, contract like a John Gooden, you know, 10 years, 100 million. So basically, you could come in and you could tear this thing down to the studs and rebuild it. And, you know, we can just rock with it unless you get caught being racist and sexist and misogynist and all of that other stuff. But when you look at what Frank Wright came into, he came into a team that wasn't necessarily trading just to get up to the top of the draft they earned their position at the top of the draft last year because they were terrible but they were also terrible because this was another head coach in my rule that he had also hired paid a whole boatload of money and then fired so i was i am I looking up stuff just to try to get a little bit more information for this i was looking at this article from the guardian right and it says that um tepper he also owns the Charlotte FC um, MLS franchise, right? And you know that he fired the coach for the 
Charlotte FC, even though the team made the playoffs. Like, nobody thinks of Charlotte FC at all. And this is for me that lives in a city that has an MLS franchise. Nobody thinks about Charlotte. But they made the playoffs and the master fired the head coach. So, said for those keeping score, Tepper has owned the Panthers and Charlotte FC for a combined seven seasons. In that time, he's had five full-time coaches and now three interims. When he fills his two vacancies in the coming months, that number will climb to ten in eight seasons. How do you think that you are going to develop any kind of winning culture or any kind of winning period if you are constantly chopping and changing your team was bad before you brought in a quality head coach because if you remember justin him hiring frank frank was universally applauded because you're like you know you're gonna have to bring in a new quarterback so regardless of who you bring in in terms of bryce young or cj stroud that quarterback is going to need to develop. The quarterback is going to take some time to get up to speed. So you're going to bring in a guy that is going to be able to give you what you need to get your quarterback up to speed as an NFL quarterback. And you find the man 11 games in. Now, we talk extensively about how bad Nathaniel Hackett was last season when he was here in Denver, right? I call I always refer to him as Nathaniel Can't Hackett. And you know that even though Hackett was bad, Reich now has had the shortest head coaching tenure in the NFL since nineteen seventy eight. Yep. He could not even last as long as Hackett was in the job. And that's all because of Tepper. All because and look at the men that you fired. You've got rid of Ron Rivera. Granted, like Ron Rivera's time was kind of coming up to an end in mm -hmm. Carolina, probably coming to end in Washington too. But that's another conversation. Shorter. Um, you got rid of Matt Rule, who should have never been hired in the first place. And Correct. then you had interim in Steve Wilkes, who everybody in the building told you to keep. Yep. Everybody from the players right back down to the janitorial staff told you. This is the man to keep Steve Wilkes about the place. You got rid of him, although after you got rid of Matt Rule, you traded your franchise's arguably franchise's best player ever. You got rid of that man, and the moment you got rid of not just Matt Rule and Christian McCaffrey, you started to see a turnaround in Carolina to the point where up to the last two or three weeks of the season, Carolina was in on the show to make the playoffs. And you got rid of Steve Wilkes. All right. Mm -hmm. The problem we got over that, and you brought in, uh, not Jim Caldwell. Yeah, you did bring in Jim Caldwell again, but you brought in Frank Wright. Right, as you said, every man down to the grandmother and the grandchild said this was a good move. This is a man to develop quarterbacks, and you thought eleven games into season was long enough for you to see what 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 did you expect? Exactly. So now they can continue to pay for the sins. They are going to struggle for the rest of this year. He is going to mess up this head coaching search and hire again because this is he has proven that this is who he is. And then not only that, Ken, imagine now you're a quality head coaching candidate going forward. Let's say you are Ben Johnson for the Detroit Lions. Great offensive mind. Are you are you realistically going to take the Carolina job seriously? And the answer is no. 
if you are a head coaching candidate worth your salt, there is no way that you're going to take on or even blink at that Carolina opening because chances are how long are you going to last? Are you going to last, what, season or two? Like, no proper candidate is going to apply for that job. Like, so you're going to take a guy who is just going to be thankful to begin a head coaching job because he thinks that he's not going to get another chance at that job. And then within a couple of seasons, he's gone too. Yep. I mean, the only thing that can work in their favor is timing. Because having fired him now, there's not a lot of vacancies around. But it's also going to be difficult to poach some top-rated assistant from some program in the middle of the season. Because why would I do you a favor and then throw myself, you know, into the doldrums? So, he has not thought this through. He may think he did. But the issues that he's now created for himself are going to be much more significant. And there are going to be other vacancies that are going to be available. And Carolina is probably, as you said, Carolina is probably going to be at the bottom of the list. Based on what he has done and how he's been treating these head coaches, why would, if I have, well, we'll get to some other potential vacancies later. So I'll, I'll stick a pin in that point for now. But before you go, look at three men he has fired. Okay, three men he has moved off from. Or four, sorry to say, because they count Steve Wills. Three of those four men are extremely respected men across the NFL. Ron Rivera, Steve Wilkes, and no Frank Wright. Mm-hmm. No serious head coaching candidate is going to even bat an Ayat Carolina. Yep. So now we, we, we talk about the head coaches, guys. So we got a couple of coordinators that also got fired. And well, first we're going to go to the place where I guess people, people who have been very, very vocal. Players and well, former players, current players, and media fans, everybody was saying that this man had to go, and that's my Canada in Pittsburgh. So, I'm not even gonna give a long preamble to get us into this one, Justin. We can't recap. My Canada overstayed his welcome. No cap, can they? Me, that's another straightforward one. Like, you had this ridiculous streak. I want to say what it was 53 games. Straight without going without going over four hundred yards, and fifty-eight, fifty-eight. I understand it. Fifty-eight, a ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, since then, like the, the team that had the lowest number had what four in that span. No, they said that every team, every single team in the right. NFL had five, had at least five, five games that they went over four hundred yards. And I want you to understand that the New York Jets are one of these teams, huh? The New York Jets that have not had a quarterback since um, Joe, uh, Joe Namath is one of these mm-hmm. teams that had at least five games. <laughs> the moment that you moved off from back Canada, not two weeks ago, not even a full week, less than a half a week after moving off from back Canada, you finally post 400 yards. Granted, you only scored 16 points, right? But it had to show you all of a sudden, I know. A lot of that had to do with Pat uh, Fairmouth, the tight end coming off of IR finally and playing games. But the moment that you move on from Matt all of a sudden you find that you can hit balls down the middle of the field. All of a sudden, now the middle of the field is wide open and can be used. Again, granted, they only scored 16 points. But yeah, Matt Kanda was a problem. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend, right, that the quarterback is also not a problem because I've told you countless times, Ken, that he is not a starting caliber quarterback in this league. Weekly. Weekly, like, you tell like, me like, that. Like, every week, <laughs> I, 
there are things they tell you in that chat, and one of them is that Kenny Pickett is not your starting quarterback in this league. However, mm-hmm. the moment that Matt Canada gone, you will have 400 yards of offense. And the thing is, you put it right, it is not like you don't have the skill positions. You have two very good running backs. You have mm-hmm. George Pickens. You have on the outside Deontay Johnson, even though he is a man they expect to be traded by, by next season. Uh, mm-hmm. Pat Fairmove. Like, this is a skilled offensive team, but it just it just does not look so because the play calling was as limited, as bad as I've ever seen it. And I'm talking about New Orleans, Green Bay. I'm talking about this is even worse, even probably even worse than what is going on in the New York Jets and New York men that don't have a single starting quarterback in any of the three that they listed in, in, in New Jersey. So, yeah, Matt Canada was a problem. But again, if Matt Canada was problem 1A, Kenny Pickett is problem 1B. <laughs> yeah, I can't disagree with anything you said because, I mean, that's in you and I seem to be working off of the same notes. Because I 58 games of folks scoring 400 yards, but gaining 400 yards on offense. And every team, including the Arizona Cardinals, who has had their problems, including the New York Giants, who have not had a quarterback really since Eli Manning, when you look at these, every team, every single team in the league has had five 400-yard games in the time that Pittsburgh had not gotten one until Sunday. And as you said, as soon as they got my Canada out the door, all of a sudden, Najee Harris returns to the offense and actually gets like almost 100 yards running the football. Um, Jalen Warren, I think his name is, he almost uh, goes over 100 yards rushing. Yeah, like you said, they only scored 16 points, which shows that Canada was not the only problem. Because, as you said, they have the weapons, they have the players. They just don't have the quarterback because Kenny Pickett is not it. He, he clearly, clearly is not it. But what else can you do? What else can they do at this point? Because there is either Kenny Pickett, small hands Kenny Pickett, or as Kirk likes to call him, um, social distancing, um, Mitchell Trubisky, because according to Kirk, Mr. Trubisky was passing social distancing with the ball and the receivers before social distancing became a thing. So, you are, those are your options. Those are the options you have for your quarterback. And I tell people, right, if you are not certain about your quarterback, right, this is the draft not to miss coming up. That's all I'm going to say. If you are not 100% sure that you have the right guy under center, do not let this draft pass you. But the problem is this, especially for a team like Pittsburgh, they have, to me, one of the best man-managing head coaches in Mike Tomlin in the entire NFL. With Mike Tomlin in place, they will never be bad enough to get one of these top quarterbacks coming out of the draft. So you're hoping then to land another Big Ben-esque quarterback, somebody that is talented but maybe not jumping off the page so much that they go 
one, two, three overall. Because they all this this team always has a winning record. The most annoying thing, if you are a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, is that the team clearly is bad. It clearly was not it was not playing up to its standard. But even though you were outgained in every single game everyone this season. But the, everyone but this last one. Every yeah, last everyone but this you still had you are still six and four going into this weekend. So you are still knocking about there in the world card hunt. Which means that you are probably gonna be picking in the latter half of the next draft. You can't win if you're Pittsburgh because your coach is too good to lose games, but by winning games, you lose out on the street stakes now to get a top quarterback. That's a problem. That is a problem. All right, and now on to the next one that got fired. And I mean, Frank Wright as head coach was a head scratcher. This one to me was also a head scratcher. So we can't recap. We move to Buffalo. Ken Dorsey was to blame for the struggles in Buffalo. Cap I mean, or no cap? You just started with the things so on I me, mean, like cap. Um, and I mean, granted, let me say this, right? Joe Brady has done a hell of a job in terms of stopping um, their quarterback from thinking he needs to be Superman. And that is the Josh biggest Allen? problem. Every pro- like every time you see him, every one of those Josh Allen interceptions or fumbles is because Josh Allen is doing too much. And you, again, you've heard me can't constantly say this. Buffalo is not going to beat anyone until Buffalo realizes that they're going to have to run the football and provide some measure of offensive balance. And I don't understand why Ken Dorsey constantly put Josh Allen in. You talk about Matt LaFleur being allergic to running or uh, playing on the center. Then Ken Dorsey is even worse. Like I've never seen an offensive coordinator al- more allergic to going under center than Ken Dorsey. That being said, Ken, he was not the, like he was an issue, but he was not the biggest issue. And part of my, like, if I had to list them, I don't know what order it is, but Josh Allen's turnovers somewhere up in that top three. The Bills losing all of this defensive um, talent in terms of A, Matt Milano going down. Like, I've told people, Matt Milano or the Buffalo Bills defense goes as Matt Milano goes. It's as simple as that. Like, there are people who are culture setters or tone setters, just like what Draymond Green is to the Golden State Warriors. Is what Matt Milano is to that Buffalo Bills defense. So losing Matt Milano and then Tredavious White again for another season, like I told people like Buffalo's defense was not going to be able to survive that, and you've seen it. Because as much as we like to blame Josh Allen for losses, right, the reality is if I keep giving you leads with seconds or less under or, or, or just over a minute to go and you keep losing games, like how is that on me? Like every time I give you the ball in, in this Philadelphia game, uh, the towards the end of regulation, they gave the defense a chance. You were up when when you took the field, went into overtime, getting overtime when they went off the field, we we're up again and you lose. Like that's that can't be on the quarterback, can't be on the offense. That's on you. But the number one problem, can and you know what I'm going to say, Sean McDermott is a problem because while we want to put that one six overtime record on Josh Allen, you know what? You've heard me say this again, Ken. Wins and losses are not your quarterback stat. But you know mm-hmm. whose stat it is, though? It is a head coaching stat, Ken. 
it is a head coaching staff and time and time and time again Ken Sean McDermott finds ways to lose games that he has no business losing he had no business losing that Philadelphia game he was pummeling the Eagles at halftime the Eagles looked so terrible that it was in the NFL chat telling his Eagles fans the two Eagles fans your team looks dreadful and then again as much as Philly uh, comes back in the second half as I just mentioned Towards the end of regulation, Josh Allen gives the Buffalo Bills a lead. At the start of overtime, he gives them a lead. And again, he has filled him away. Remember, Sean McDermott's hat is supposed to be laying on the defensive side of the football. And this team cannot get done defensively. He is another guy who does not A, know how to manage the clock. B, does not know late game situations. We saw it with the overtime loss in the playoffs against the Chiefs. You saw it again this weekend against the Philadelphia Eagles. And you see it constantly with... Buffalo always losing these one-score games. Uh, every time you lose a one-score game, Ken, a one-score game, sorry, Ken, I put that typically on the coach because the quarterback doesn't play defense. The quarterback can't give you a lead. You constantly lose it. This is Sean McDermott always finding ways to lose these one-score games. Ken Dorsey was not a problem. I'm not saying that he was perfect because since Joe Brady has come, you have seen him be able to run the football. You've seen offensive balance. But Sean McDermott really is the issue here in uh, Buffalo. So I will agree that this is, I will say this is Cap. Ken Dorsey it being the one to blame for the struggles in Buffalo, that's Cap. Because, I mean, I'm not, this is not like if I'm here now writing for my namesake. Huh? I'm, <laughs> I'm not here trying to defend the honor of the Kens. Because Dorsey did, was not blameless, as you said. Yeah. He was not blameless in this not situation. Blameless. But I think this is more of an organizational failure. I go even further than Sean McDermott. Sean McDermott, to, I, I will not disagree with any point that you just made. That was beautifully said. But when I look at, at Buffalo as an organization, right? I think that Buffalo has lost their window to win a Super Bowl and they're going to be the last ones to realize it. Because when they had the fantastic defense, all that talent on defense, you know the one thing, well the two things that they failed to do, they failed to get a second wide receiver to pair with Stephon Diggs, who for all intents and purposes, wants, as, wants to get as far from Buffalo as, as humanly possible. I mean, his brother is over here saying every week, get 14 up out of there. Trayvon Diggs knows better, and he knows what he's doing. So the fact that he keeps doing it means that Stefan also wants to get 14 up out of there. But I digress. The other issue was they failed to address the lack of a running game. Because they, when Josh Allen came into the league, the one thing that was his biggest weapon was not his arm, but it was his legs. And they have not recognized, hey, wait a second, maybe we should, you know, get a proper running back in here so he doesn't have to run all the time. And then we can use his arm and we can use his legs sparingly. We can use it at times. And therefore, when he uses his legs, then it will not be Oh, Josh Allen is running quarterback power for the seventh time this game. Oh, no. 
he is probably dropping by looking to see what's there if nothing is there then he takes off how is that hard to figure out but no we didn't do that when josh allen was on his rookie contract we didn't do this when josh allen had this miraculous improvement between i think it was between years two and three where he couldn't throw the football for the first two years and then he came out looking like one of the best quarterbacks in the league who could use his legs but you're still using the year two playbook in year five and year six and now he is getting paid as a quarterback of his stature which though means that the defense that you had built can't stay because you can't afford to pay them so a lot of those guys go and when they go you still haven't addressed your number two run uh, wide receiver you still haven't addressed your running back position and then you're telling your your um offensive coordinator well make chicken salad out of all these bits and parts that we have because we don't have no thigh we don't have no breast but you gotta figure out how you're gonna feed the rest of these people no that's not good enough so now king darcy rightfully will have to take some fl some flat for running josh allen too much not establishing a running game at the times that he should but, then but you didn't give him the press know that joe brady is there know you're seeing i thought all along the lane but know that joe brady is there no james cook looks like a, a top 10 back in his league um you know rec, um resurrect the guy murray like this is a team that can actually run the football like, it was shortly wait a minute they can run the football yeah but, it's because ken dorsey refused to do it no but but, but in in his defense even because you know james cook got injured and he missed a couple of games here recently before he got hurt, he was actually playing pretty well. But to the other point that you were making, when John Allen gives them the lead, then all of a sudden they go off the field, and then the other team just comes right back, right back and score. So no, they can't try to do like ball control offense because even now that Joe Brady has them running the football, they're still not built for that. The and best chance that they had to win was on the arm of Josh Allen, which meant that he's going to throw the interceptions. And it's so bad, right? And you know me, I love Dan Orlovsky when he starts to break things down. I'm not sure if you've got a chance to watch NFL Live or get up after the loss, right? Am I showing hmm. you just how bad Sean McDermott and that Buffalo Bills defense is, right? If you watch the drive, um, is it in, ah, the end of regulation, Philadelphia starts on the left hash, right? So as you would figure, if you're on the left hash, the easiest throw to make coming over the left hash is to throw it to the left, to the towards left the boundary, right? The left towards mm -hmm. the boundary. Would you believe to start that drive, to, uh, that game tying drive, right? That forced overtime. Philadelphia Eagles five straight passes completed, five straight passes to the left boundary from the left hash game. They started the left hash and five straight passes to the left boundary. Ken at no point. Did Sean McDermott force them to throw the ball towards the middle of the field or towards the other hash? I could not believe it when 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 Dan Orlowski brought that. I said, "What is this? Five straight completions towards the left boundary, Ken." Yeah, Madness. that's not good enough. It's not good enough. So there are a lot of problems in Buffalo. Darcy was a problem. He was a problem, and I mean. Yeah, the team looks a little bit better, but 
that might just be the the new coach bounce. We shall see how things go over time because I know Justin, you and I have been at this thing long enough to know that these teams revert to tight whenever things start to get tight. And right now, there are no margins for error in Buffalo. They need to win. They need to basically win out from here. And I know that if they have to win out from here, we are going to see a hell of a lot of Josh Allen throwing this football. It is not going to be on the run game. I think they have Kansas City next after their bye week. And after that, Ken, you can help me out. But I think Dallas may be on the, on the burner as well there too. Like, it's not an easy stretch. Man, I got you covered. So, the, the Chiefs, they have the Chiefs on Sunday. The Cowboys the next week. Then the Chargers. Then the Patriots. And they finish with the Dolphins. And that I, easily could be a one and four in those five games. Because I was about to say, the only... Winnable game in that stretch to me, so the Patriots. Uh, if you want to throw any Chargers and fine, but like I don't have them beating the Chiefs, I don't have them beating the Cowboys, and I don't have them beating. Well, they may beat Miami because they logistically match up well in Miami, but Dolphins, um, Cowboys, and Chiefs, those are three, three, three very, very, very hard games. And the last game is in Miami, so. You know, this is a team that can be coming from the ice and getting down in the heat. So that can be a problem. That is going to be a problem. So now that we're talking, we, I mean, I just mentioned heat. So you know, the, there's, <laughs> there's the heat. There's heat outside, which you and I are not enjoying a lot of right now. And then there's the heat under your seat. And a lot of these coaches either are on hot seats or should be on hot seats. So, Justin, I'm going to let you take this one away because I know you have some names for me. Who else should be on the hot seat? The question is, who shouldn't be on the hot seat? Because I have so <laughs> many names, right? But Ken, you know I'm going to start with my absolute, absolute favorite name, right? And it has to be the, 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 the guy at LA, and I'm not talking about Sean McVeigh. Like, it has to start with Brandon Staley. It, it, Brandon it, Staley himself. It has to be, like, that team, right? It's too, too talented, and especially on defense when you have the highest payroll in nfl on defense and you have the worst nfl defense like and then not not only that ken you are the man who has made his name as a defensive coordinator but not just that who as head coach are still called the defensive player calls to the point where you had to go to press conference and tell people stop asking you to are are you going to be the defensive player caller because you're going to continue to be and like and you try your best to throw the players on the bus by saying that you know you coach to develop and we, we trust in the process in which you coach to develop. Like, cut the nonsense. <laughs> Brandon Staley, we all knew that you did not deserve that coaching job because you got it on the back of coaching um, Aaron Donald and, and Jalen Ramsey. Like, that, 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 like, I can coach Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald, my gosh, if you give me the team. My team a little bit great defense on defense too. So like that's the first thing. Like, Brandon Staley has to go on. I'm not even talking about Today, talking about yesterday, Brandon Steele should be fired two seasons ago. So I don't know how we're still here talking about Brandon Steele. I love the man, but we all know like Ron Rivera's time in Washington is only come is 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 drawing late. I mm-hmm. hate to say these things, but like Ron Rivera's time in Washington is only can only be described as a disaster. So that I'm not going to hit too hard because that's my guy. So we're talking there. 
AJ is a reason that AJ is not a short mate because he know where he was coming from. <laughs> and it is no time to understand, right, that whatever Bill Belichick did in his 27 previous years at New England should not matter, no. Because since a certain Tom, uh, what, what was Tom's middle name again? I'm, I am not the guy for that, but I'll look it up for it. He is something Thomas Brady. But since Tom Brady has departed New England, this team has made the playoffs all but one season and barely scraped in that one season. Like, Thomas it, Edward Patrick Brady there Jr. We go. Thomas Edward Patrick Brady. Since he has left, and know that we have realized that he is really the reason for all that success in New England and not so much so Bill Belichick. These Patriots have looked like utter trash to the point you just <laughs> got beaten by the New York Jets with Danny DeVito as their starting quarterback. Not Danny Dimes, Danny DeVito. Huh? Mm. That is your starting quarterback. So, like, I don't care what Bill has done for 23 previous seasons in New England. Like, no, I have to rate you on what I've seen, and that is enough is enough. I have seen enough. And I know I'm missing another name here. Hold on, okay. It ain't just Brandon Steele. It ain't just Bill Belichick. There is another name. Hold on a second. Because you'll get me, you'll get me railed up. Hold on, Ken. I know my favorite, Josh McDaniels, is already gone, so don't need to bring him here. I'm surprised that you haven't made mention of your guy or anybody from your coaching um, situation there in Green Bay. Well, I mean, the reality is I would like to get rid of him, but I can't argue that no, because the team is a half game only playoff spot uh, for the final playoff spot, and I'm starting to see some development in Jordan Love over these last three se- three games. So I am, you know, I'm not a fan, but whether Green Bay wants to admit it and say these words or not, they're going through a rebuild. And when you have the youngest roster all across the entire sport, and you are just a half game out of, of a final playoff spot, as much as I'm not a fan of Matt Lafleur, I have to give him his credit or whatever credit I can. <laughs> can it ain't, isn't him a missing one more person? I know that this is it, it can't be this hard, Ken. I'm looking at well, well, what do you think about it? Let me give you my name. Oh, shoot. Oh, how can I forget your last one? Sean McDermott. He's got to go. Has <laughs> got to go. And worse yet, even worse for than all the others. Maybe Brand, I'll say Brandon Staley, number one, one A. And Sean McDermott right behind him one B because again I've told you about this defense. Again, you hang your hat on defense. And countless times, the reason that you're 0 and 6 in these overtime games, and the reason that you're constantly losing these one score games is because you, as much as Josh Allen puts you in these positions to win games, you do not know how to close them because A, you're a bad clock manager, and B, you do not know how to coach in game situations with your defense. And not just that, you have constantly put Josh Allen in harm's way. Eight straight games and interception. That is coaching. Yes, granted, that is Josh Allen taking too many chances. But again, you heard me say it's because you're asking Josh Allen to be Superman or every single down when you do not need to do that. It, 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 like Brandon Steele is the first one that needs to go, followed by Sean McDermott, Bill Belichick, and Ron Vera in that order. Okay. Well, I'm not going to argue with the names that you called. I'm going to just posit some other names for you. And you can tell me if you agree with my thought process or not so first up in the AFC because it started in the AFC that's what you did AFC South see Mike Vrabel in Tennessee his bossy gonna be so hot without four and seven record that the Tennessee Titans have this season I see where you're coming from but I love Mike I like Mike Vrabel but go ahead I like Mike too as a coach 
I don't like this situation. I do not like what's happening in Tennessee. So, right now, he has to be fanning his pooch every night. Every night, because that seat has to be hot. They, they had Ryan Tannehill. This is two successive drafts they've picked up a quarterback. And they still aren't getting good quarterback play. They decided to get rid of A.J. Brown, who is out there in Philadelphia, doing as he pleases. When they do not have now a wide receiver that they can say, well, hey, you are now our guy. No, something is something is rotten in Denmark. It's also rotten in Tennessee. So, Rebel has to be on the hot seat. So, he is, he is number one. <sighs> you see that guy, what's his name? That was in Chicago. Oh, my Eberflus. Oh, my God. Yes. I mean, I even left him off simply because it was just too obvious that like, I, I don't even think that that seat is hot more so than he's in Fuego. Like, he got me. <laughs> like, but yeah, continue. Carry on, Ken. Yeah. My Eberflus. Eberflus has to be good. He, if, um, Pauls, Pace, Pauls, it does the name Ram, of the G. Ram Pauls. Yeah, if Ryan Pauls wants to keep his job, he has to fire Matt Eberflus. There's no way that, because, again, similar to what he said about Brandon Steady, Eberflus came here known as a defensive guru. And this is a team that has given up, it gave up, I don't know, 30-some-odd points it was, to Denver, when Denver couldn't score, when Denver's offense looked like trash. He has to go. It is two seasons. It is time. It is time. He has to go. And then... That brings me home. That brings me <laughs> home. I was waiting on you. So, I can save my boys for last. But every head coach, every single one, with the exception of Frank Wright, who is the one that got fired, should be fired at the end of the season, if not before. Every single one in my NFC South division. Every single one. One. And I'm gonna start with the team that's currently tied with my Saints at the top of Ooh, the yes, division. Atlanta. How is it that you have spent draft capital in three successive drafts on a wide receiver, a tight end, and a running back? Drake London, um Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts and Bijan Robinson. And these guys are the three biggest distractions they're the three biggest decoys on the field every game because they don't get the ball we're still running Tyler Ajayer and what are we doing what is what is the plan in Atlanta I forgot about Arthur Smith because he should be head one I I forgot all I can't I can't believe I forgot about Arthur Smith he's terrible Yes, he is. And then, I mean, I don't like to do it to the black man, but I gotta call. I gotta. I gotta call it down the middle. You see, Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay. Their whole coaching staff needs to go. And it is that Baker. The fact that they thought that Baker Mayfield was going to be the quarterback for this season, or maybe not, because they know they just bought him in as a veteran, and then somehow they thought that Baker Mayfield was going to be good enough. He's going to be good enough to take them at least to win. The, I mean, the South is not that good. 
but come on. So yeah, Byron Lefwich, offensive coordinator, gotta go. Uh, what's his name? The head coach. Uh, like, I can see him. I can see him. No, I can see. His, uh, yeah, for, for for me, head names have been hard this evening. I don't know if it's because I'm not taking my my, my tablets or whatever not. But yeah, I and, I and the thing is, I can see him. It's not Vance Joseph. So sorry. Like why 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 did they come on this show so unprepared? But yeah, I'm, like his his name is like it's it, seeing the face, right? Take yeah, man. Todd Balls. Yeah, Todd. Todd Balls. I I like I I I had like Todd you know. I like Todd Balls when he was in at the Jets, and I thought he got a bit of a raw deal when he got fired from the Jets. I didn't want him to come into my division. Like he came into my division as the as a defensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and then he got promoted when Bruce Arians stepped down. But he, clearly, he's not getting the job done either. He. He is also suffering from the Patriotitis, which is that Tom Brady leaves, and then all of a sudden you can't get. No, but can talk. We really want to talk. We don't want to talk about Frank. Right? We didn't want to talk about um, Todd Bowles. Uh, you certainly didn't want to talk about Arthur Smith. So come, can talk. Talk about what you really want to talk about. Okay? Stop, stop, dipsy doodling, and tell people you really want to talk about. You see my saints. You see that Dennis Allen, and you see. That Pete Carmichael Jr. They gotta go, Justin. They have to go. I have, I have been soft. I admit it. I've been soft on Dennis Allen. Because coming into the season, especially, my team had a very good defense. Very good defense. And they have been playing. They've been playing good football, or at least statistically speaking, they've been playing good football. We have playmakers at every level on defense. Every level. We have Cam Jordan, and then there is, what's his name? You can see the, Carl Granderson. Carl Granderson has become this year's Trey Hendrickson for me. Because, you know, Hendrickson was doing the dog for me before he went over to, to Cincinnati because we couldn't afford to pay him. I don't know how we get under the cap every year. That's some wizardry that Loomis is do every single season. I give credit where credit is due. In the middle, we have Demario Davis, who has been a revelation coming over. People thought that he was old and he was slow, getting slow and stuff. He's been ridiculous. As my center mid, um, my uh, middle linebacker, and then on the outside, we have three, three very good corners. You know, Marcus Lattimore, Alante Taylor, and Paulson Adebo. But when I watch these Saints games now, and I see how open we are in the middle, and I'm watching other teams that have less talent on defense, and there seem to be so much like every the field. Seems so much smaller for them, but it seems huge for us. That is, that has to be my defensive coordinator's problem. It can't be the players because the players are performing, but the coaching, something is wrong there. I told you about this situation, but we'll get to Denver shortly. And then we go to the offensive side of the ball. I oh, have boss. been bemoaning this guy for two seasons, two years, Pete Carmichael Jr. 
how is it that Pete Carmichael Jr. still has a job? When Matt Canada gets fired, how does Pete Carmichael still have a job? When Ken Dorsey, who actually had a top 10 offense, even with the turnovers, even with the struggles to score the ball, how does he still have a job? Justin, you know that the Saints moved the football up and down the field on Atlanta this weekend. I didn't score a touchdown. I asked oh, you, you, how did you lose that game? Because I, I, I couldn't believe it. You you know that we can't... This is not Chicago beating Minnesota last night. For those of you who may not be watching this or listening to this on Tuesday, we recorded this on Tuesday, so last night was Monday, Monday Night Football. Chicago didn't score a touchdown, and they beat the Minnesota Vikings, who scored. I said that first touchdown would have won that game. I was wrong, because... Clearly, Minnesota's defense couldn't get the stops that they needed, even though Chicago could not move the football. But the Saints moved the football up and down, up and down, up and down, and could not score, Justin. They could Derek, not. Derek Carr has a thing of not putting the ball in red zone or not doing well in red zone. This is this is known. So, if you know that the guy has issues in the red zone, right? As the offensive coordinator isn't that your job then to scheme men open isn't it your job to put the ball in the hands of your best playmakers isn't it your job then to say hey Taysom Hill go line up at tight end hey Alvin Kamara stand in the backfield I hey don't. what are we doing I don't feel for you Ken you know why I don't feel for you because we had targeted Chris Olave in that last draft you came and moved up the, the draft world and stole him for him. So to take that out, you, 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 you steal Chris Olave right from under me. Like we had him right there. And you play you moving up the draft, moving up the draft world to take the boy. So hold that. Hold but this pray, pain as hold this pain as suffering. Well, praise God we did. Because if we didn't want well, I came into this, remember when we started this when we started this season, I said that I like my wide receiver room because we had yeah. Michael Thomas coming back, who is back on IR. We had... What else is new? Yeah, Chris Olave, who looks really, really good. And then we had Rashid Shahid, who also... Burner. Absolute burner. So I'm saying, okay, good. We didn't do anything to address the tight end position, but the expectation was that Taysom Hill was going to be our starting tight end. So if he's our starting tight end, I guess we'll be fine. And Alvin Kamara is going to be there. We bring in Derek Carr because we don't trust Jameis Winston. Which is fine. I, I can agree with that. I, I had bought yeah. in on the Derek Carr move as well, but boy, that didn't work out. But the thing is, statistically speaking, if you're looking at it from a fantasy perspective, even before the touchdowns, Derek Carr has actually been good. Which lets you know that he's moving the football. And not necessarily giving it away, even though, you know, we do have a bit of an interception problem. But, Pete Carmichael, why are you still here? I want, I want Gail Benson and Mickey Loomis. Because, Loomis, like I said, Loomis is a wizard. So he, he has a job with me as long as he wants it. But, you see, them two especially, they gotta go. They have to go. They, they can move to the hottest team in the NFL, which is the Denver Broncos. This is where we're going to end tonight's show. Six-game winning streak, 
Justin Denver is the creme de la creme right now in terms of the form table. They beat well, your team. They beat the Bears. They've beaten the Chiefs. They played them close one game and then they beat them the other one. So, let me look at what's happening here in Denver. Who do we give the accolades to? Who gets the plaudits for this turnaround here in Denver? It has to be the players, Ken. I told you, remember, I, I roasted y'all early in the season when y'all wanted to tell me that these defensive players are bad. And I told y'all, I reminded y'all, quite frankly, the three previous seasons prior to Sean Payton coming to Denver, this was an elite defensive team, even up to when, um, I keep forgetting his name, or oh, such a great defensive coordinator. Um, Did you ever? No, Vic Fangio. Vic Fangio? People up to, even Vic Fangio said, it said, it is not just Vic Fangio. These defensive players are great. They left. Sorry, Fangio left. And as you said, even when Daniel Hackett was the head coach with, um, as in the name that you just called, of defensive Everyone. coordinator, that team's defense was so good. So good that up to the point that had the offense scored just 18 points a game, through the first 11 or 12 games, they've only been one, they would only had one loss. Mm -hmm. And then when they were started so badly and they got the 70 points dropped on them in Miami, everyone was saying, oh, the players, the players, the players. And I told you all over and over again, it's not the players, it's not, it not Vance Joseph, it is that these players did not want to play under Sean, um, Sean Payne. Mm -hmm. They had an issue with Sean Payne. They told you they did not want to play and eventually I don't know what happened in locker room because I know a lot of people want to say, oh, but it's a turnaround of Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is playing this year at the start of the season. Russell mm -hmm. Wilson may not be putting up spectacular numbers, but he wasn't turning over the ball either at the start of the season. Russell Wilson has not played any different during this win streak than he was at the start of the season when they were going through this losing streak. It is the defensive players because all of a sudden, Ken, this bad defense is now giving up an NFL low 16 points per contest during this streak. And it's not like they've played, but hold on, let me tell you who they have played during the streak. They have played the Chiefs and held them to nine points. They played the Bills, who you just said had a top 10 offense, even with their offensive imbalance, held them to 20 points. They played the Vikings, who again were sparking on offense or surging on offense, held them to 20 points. Granted, they held, they played against Browns without their starting quarterback, Deshaun Watson. And they played us the Packers when we were going through that five or four game losing streak. But to hold the Chiefs and the Bills to under 25 points, both of them, especially when the Chiefs didn't even score double digits. Ken is the defensive players like I don't know what happened. I don't know if Vance Joseph got through them. I don't know if they all of a sudden decided that they're cool with Sean Payton. But when you give up just 16 points or contest every single game, Ken. The chances are, unless you're in the New York Jets, you are not going to lose any of those games. Like, this is the defensive players. Like, and I've said this all along. Yes, they got rid of Randy Gregory, but this team is an elite defense. From, from, from four or five years ago till now, not much has changed. This, this team had too many great defensive players. I told you, too many great defensive players to be that bad on defense. And I knew it was just a matter of time before they turn around because Russell Wilson was going to be Russell Wilson. When this team turn around and this winning streak does not shock me in the very least game. Well, it didn't shock you, but it sure as hell shocked me. 
I'm, I'm not going to lie. It surprised the heck out of me. Because when I looked at what this team was doing in the beginning of the season, a part of me felt happy. Even though I live here in Denver, I felt happy that they were struggling because of how Sean Payton pitched up here in Denver, leaving my New Orleans Saints in the lurch. So I was not displeased with that losing streak. But, you know, whenever you live in a football town, whenever the football team is doing well, people tend to be a little bit happier. You know, we're heading into Christmas and good vibes are all around us. And I think that that is part of why things look a lot different. So, yeah, the Broncos, they got smoked by the Dolphins, when the 70-point game. Then they beat the Bears. And then they lost to the Jets, and they lost to the Chiefs. But they only gave it 19 points to the Chiefs. And that was the game that the defense turned around. Mm-hmm. But you know what also started happening? They stopped dropping the damn football all the time. They actually started catching the ball a little bit more. Uh, Javante Williams, he was out hurt. He came back. So now they had a little bit more balance on the offense. And now they actually look like a decent team. Yeah, they scored 19 against you. Um, they put 24 points up against the Bills. 21 points against the Vikings. 29 points this weekend against the Browns. They've been playing much better. Complimentary football. Complimentary football, Kent. And then on top of that, right? I expect this team, I hate to say that I can't believe I'm about to say this. I expect this team to make playoffs because when you look at their remaining games, right? Uh, they have the Texans on the road, and that's a good football team. But, that's a coin flip. Yeah, but the Chargers, like that's good. This should be the Chargers. Yeah, they have the Lions on the road, so I expect them to lose that game. But they close mm-hmm. out the season. Here, how they close out the season, right? They close out the season with the Chargers twice, the Patriots, and then at the Raiders. I expect them to win all of those games. I expect them to sweep the Chargers. I expect them to beat the Raiders, and I most certainly expect them to put the stomping in in in, in New England. I think that this team is going to finish the season winning four of their last five final five, uh, five final games to get in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, this is quite the turnaround for the Broncos. We know they sit second in the AFC West. They have they have a winning record, Justin. They're yes, six they, and five. Who I knew? Told, I told you all that this team is too good defensively for this to continue. I, I knew it was not the players. So I refuse to credit Sean Payton know that this team is turning. I'm not doing it because Sean Payton to me was a, it was a problem. So I'm not going to credit him. Well, you know, I'm not going to credit him either. And that, part of that probably is just me being petty. But that yeah. I, I will own it. I will own the petty because, no, I'm, I am not here for the Sean Payton experience. But <laughs> the Denver Broncos, they're doing well. They're doing very well. And may alone continue. At least for the folks that, that are here, that live here in this city, and are you know they live and die with the Broncos. Like in the first couple of weeks, I was seeing Nuggets gear, I was seeing Avalanche gear. Now I'm seeing Broncos gear in the office, and I'm like, okay, orange and blue, boy, the orange and blue. Yep, see, I'm seeing hoodies, I'm seeing sweatshirts, I'm I'm seeing it all. So you know, good for them, good for them. Maybe. 
will fire Pete Carmichael and then I can wear my, my Saints jersey with pride. <laughs> All right, Justin, so that will bring us to the end of tonight's show. We, I think we've had a great one. We've gotten into a lot of these things. I know the one thing that you love to pat lashes in is these not very good um, coaches. So I, I'm always happy to give you the platform. I'll give you a runway and let you take that plane off and fly into the sky. I know that's why I come on the show all the time because I know you and AJ say, ah, boy, Justin, come in. <laughs> they put these coaches' questions and they're just ready for them because they are bad. They are really bad. <laughs> so as we get out of here, Justin, tell the folk where they can find you. I know we have still been on a sabbatical and I keep promising that we're going to return every time we come on the show. At some point, it seems that we're getting close to that return. I don't want to give you all a promise as to when, but eventually, hashtag this Justin will return at some point. Um, as I said, um, even though the inferior and the the, the mock, um, this Justin is no longer on the air, yes, put the hashtag because we had to force to do that, unfortunately, because of Matt Skelman. But hashtag this Justin, um, we were on every Monday night um, at, I want to say, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central. Some point in New Year, we will return, but you can go back on our YouTube channel, hashtag this just in, and you can see all of our previous episodes for our short form content. We are on Instagram, we are on Facebook, and we are on X, formerly known as Twitter. Put the hashtag in front, this just in, you'll find us there. Alrighty, and of course, Green Beach can be found everywhere. Um, if you want to see us, you can see us on YouTube, you can see us on Facebook. If you want to hear us, just search for green like the color and b as in boy a as an apple j as in jesus and e as an excellent because that is what we are <laughs> green beige and you can find us everywhere and we are on live every tuesday well, i can't say every tuesday because you know that case sounds a little bit um, misleading when we were gone for two weeks but <laughs> you can find us usually on tuesdays at and here i'll go try to remember these these times so we're on at 6 p.m pacific 7 p.m central no sorry 6 p.m Mountain, 7 p.m central 8 p.m eastern 9 p.m in the atlantic 5 p.m pacific so you can find us at any time zone if you're across the pond in england that is probably around either 12 midnight or 1 a.m if you are in night Oh, you can you can come check us out. Come hang out with the guys. We take your live comments in the chat, and we of course you know we take questions. We we get into some stuff. So of course we always invite you to like this video, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell so you will always be with us when we are on. Again, thank you, Justin, for filling in for AJ. Especially on short notice, because we didn't even know he wasn't coming until late today. That was my fault, not his. And we will, well, we too will be back here next week. AJ, again, will not be, but that's okay. And we will be breaking down a lot more stuff. We'll see what happens in the world of sports over the next week. So for this week's episode, that is Justin. He is the green. I am Ken. I am the beige. And we shall see you next time.